Trigger warning, Death and Friends is not a podcast for the light of heart. Many dark and serious subjects will come up. Listener discretion is advised. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the guillotines. Wow. All right, how was that? Wow. That was good? That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's the entire show. Wrap it up, people. We're done. Okay, that's a series wrap on Angel Garcia. All right, guys, thanks so much. Uh, I got to go. We're getting Mambo seafood. It's going to be great. So, so yeah. Wait, wait, wait. No, no. You, you guys? Hello? Okay, well, I guess I'll... Welcome back, Skeleton Army. I'm Angel, and that confused ball of crying is Nash. <laughs> it's spooky time. Look, we said we're going to Mambo's. I don't know why you didn't just come with us, but whatever. It is indeed spooky time. Today, we are talking about the mother of all revolutions, which is weird because it sort of wasn't a revolution so much as it was a revolution's preface chapter. Uh, this is the revolution that never ends? Anyway... Paint the picture, you sad, sad clown. It's July 14th, 1789, and we're just outside of the Bastille Saint-Antoine, which was, until very, very recently, being used as a state prison for French King Louis XVI and most of the rulers before him. We've got some nice torches and pitchforks, and everyone out here, pretty pissed. A little background. France wasn't in the greatest financial shape before all of this. Things have been a little rough for a while feudal systems and all, but King Louis XVI takes power after his grandfather dies and decides that the best move to make a little bit of some of that cash money, some of that green baby, some of that cheddar, is to finance the American Revolution as a loan. It also has the added benefit of sticking it to the British, with whom France had been fighting a war for like all, all, all of like the 18th century. Hang on, hang on, let me check my notes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bet they were super excited to watch England lose the Euro Cup, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Pretty sure everyone in the world besides England and also you for some reason was excited to watch England lose the Euro Cup. No. No, shut up. (laughs) (sighs) I'm so mad. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, France broke as hell. And the majority of the French people, the only ones paying taxes, are peasants. And they're sort of starving, and also sort of understandably mad about that fact. Oh, look. No modern parallels at all. Look at them. None of them. Where? We're not filled, we're not filled in a room with modern parallels. Donde esta modern parallel? Esta aquí? <laughs> o aquí? Donde? Donde estas? <laughs> we're in France. Oh, I'm sorry. Madame Parallel, where are you? <laughs> I'd like to apologize to the one French person that probably listens to this. And they're we're... only listening to this episode, so they won't come back. No, 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 no. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. Allow me to introduce you to my very bad French. Mm-hmm. 
So Louis calls for the Estates General, in French, l'Estate General, to have a quick chat about what to do. Ah, French, for when you want to write lots of letters, but you want to say almost no letters. We. Oui. The Estates General is a three-part representative assembly of the three major populations of France. The first estate was the clergy, the second estate, the nobility, and the third estate was, well, everybody else. But in classic elitism, even though the third state was literally 98% of the population in France, they only got one vote. And the clergy and the nobles also got one vote each. But they like their elite status. So they often voted together against the peasantry, meaning the state's general was essentially lunch in an American middle school, cool kids only. And that is my impression of Nash. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, why are you reading it? Like me. <laughs> this is how I talk in real life. It is just as annoying in real life as it is on this podcast. Hey, duck, get in <laughs> your coop. <laughs> Gross. In the days before the estates met, the third estate, us regular people, decided it was bullshit that 2% of the population got two votes and the other 98% got one vote. So they started mobilizing for representation by population numbers, not by status. The other two estates, shockingly, did not agree. The third estate got together in a tennis court, and just like every other person who has ever attended a social event at a tennis court, they decided they'd had enough. They declared themselves the National Assembly and refused to leave until they were recognized and legitimized by the king. This became known as the Tennis Court Oath. The declaration was successful, particularly as some nobles and clergy gave into pressure and joined the cause. On June 27th, Louis officially dissolved the Estates General and recognized the National Assembly. Wow, that was a fast revolution. So peaceful. Oh my god. Wow. wow. Incredible. And thanks for coming, guys. Like, honestly, like, I couldn't have... Oh my god. It's just, you know, it's just, they could have been uh, worse. And... No. What? Oh. Two weeks later, with the general population excited about change, a rumor begins to spread that the military is going to be deployed and citizens who had instigated the attendance court oath would be arrested and charged. Everyone on both sides panic, and the result of that panic is where we are right now. Oh, so that's why everyone here has weapons. That, mm -hmm. that makes... Oh, that's pointy. Okay, that makes sense. Got it. Got it. Well... We have weapons, but no gunpowder. And inside that they're building, they have gunpowder. And we are getting it. We just have to plan... Oh. Okay, then. Is that... Is that fucking... Yeah. Is that a guy's head? Is that a guy's head on the stick? Oh, yes, is, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It looked at me. It used to be a guy's head. Now it's a symbol of the revolution! Please leave a message for... Mom. Mom, can you please pick me up? It's getting weird here, please. Sorry. Sorry. I get easily swept up in these things. Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, that's that's the former governor of the Bastille, Marquis de Lenay. And my guess is, if that's his disarticulated head, things are going great for us. Can't wait to see how this all wraps up in a few days. In the month that follows, oh. this vibe spreads through the rural parts of France. Chaos sort of reigns as people light the houses of tax collectors on fire, but by August... As the nobles flee France, the assembly officially declares an end to feudalism. Can we get a W in the group chat? CBS bangers. And a month later, the team turns out the Declaration of the Rights of Man and Citizen, 
which started the formal process of making a new constitution and declared an end to the ancient regime of France's feudal past. They create the formal constitution on September 3rd, 1791, and here's where the fucking fun starts. The assembly had to meet in the middle on a bunch of things, so it got a little watered down from the original burn the motherfuckers to the ground type attitude that started us off. The result is a constitutional monarchy where our good buddy King Louis XVI still has veto power and appoints ministers and shit. And our soon-to-be good friend Maximilian Robespierre is really, really not happy with that. Uh, hold up a minute. Did you say Robespierre? I sure did. He's on a splinter team called the Jacobins, and they really, 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 really want to put Louis on trial for treason and abolish the monarchy altogether. Well, doesn't sound so bad. So far, so good. But that's sort of the problem with murderous radicals, right? They start off making a little bit of sense, and then suddenly you're attacking your fellow revolutionaries, arresting the king, overthrowing the assembly, declaring a new government called the National Convention, establishing France as a republic, trying and executing the former king and queen via public beheading, and you're executing 17,000 other citizens in a 10-month span that gets called the Reign of Terror, with a cute new toy you made called the guillotine. Specific. Mm. And, I don't know, sort of... Not an actual doctor. It's medical. Medical. Facts with Dr. Ranger. Wait, what? Now? Okay, hang on, hang on. My jacket's here somewhere. Fuck. Okay, hang on. I'm, get, I'm putting it on now. Fun facts with Nash. No! Oh, too slow. <laughs> Let's talk real quick about cake. Specifically, the let them eat cake remark supposedly uttered by Queen Marie Antoinette. Cake by the ocean. <laughs> we don't know that she wasn't eating that cake, or maybe she didn't care. Wait, we're not talking about... We're not talking about butts. <sighs> God, I wish, but no. Oh. In the 18th century, France was inundated with poor harvests and bread shortages due to poor weather and an increasingly impoverished peasantry. According to the story, when informed of their inability to get bread, the queen wondered why they didn't just eat cake. Although, to be fair to her, the real quote is about brioches, which are just, which is just bread, but made with eggs and sugar. So like two things poor people just didn't stumble into that often, but brioche is delicious. Okay. Well, in case the news... What? It's really good. Sure. Yeah, it makes good sandwiches. Yeah, it's definitely still accessible to people. Why out of touch or is it the children who are wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in case the news hadn't made it to you in these trying times, I'm here to offer you the fun fact that she almost definitely never said it. The phrase doesn't get attributed to her until about 50 years after 1789, when she was originally supposed to have said it. It appears in Jean-Jacques Rousseau's Confessions, which were published in 1782, but were written in 1765, when little Marie was nine and not even in France. And it's only attributed there to a great princess. But even with that, it's probably just a literary invention. Letters from Marie back to her family in Austria sort of indicate that she was actually kind of dope. And her charitable efforts toward the poor in France really made it more unlikely. Neat. Well. Wait, am I supposed to do medical facts now? Okay. No? Not yet? Okay. Well, in the meantime... 
Nope, nope, still not here. Okay. In the meantime, welcome to... The Reign of Terror. It's 1793 and the Jacobins are in charge now. They start arresting and executing people using their fancy guillotine. They declare Christianity hashtag over. And they also, for some fucking reason, make an entirely new calendar. With 10 day weeks and with a month named Thermidor and another one called Germinal. To be fair to them though, like these these pictures are like really hot. They're like really hot. Okay. Jesus. Okay, let's put that away, buddy. They got they got rid of Jesus. Remember, I just said that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I'm tired. <laughs> Take a nap. Zen fires you missiles. <laughs> Hawkeye. <laughs> this is the art. Just chilling, man. What a sweet art. It is s- round. <laughs> Are you done? <laughs> it is a good art. All right, let's cut that one. Let's cut that one down. Good. Okay. So the guillotine is proposed by a dude named Joseph Guillotine, who hated the death penalty and therefore was looking for more humane ways for the government to kill people instead of, you know, not letting them do that. Mm. Whatever. It sort of existed as a device prior to Joseph, but he's the guy telling Louis to do it this way, then has to watch it become an instrument in the reign of terror. So, you know, just desserts and shit. Yeah. Suck it, Joe. Okay, so, beheading. Our boy Joseph is actually kind of on the mark on this one. Oh. It's a sort of nice way to murder people. Basically, you die from your brain being cut off from its oxygenated blood source. No blood pumping, no fresh oxygen (laughs) to your brain parts, and everything is just kind of curtains. Unconsciousness takes over between 3 and 10 seconds, and the brain death occurs between 3 and 6 minutes. Here's a fun fact about beheadings. Fun fact. No, no, no. No, this is bullshit. No, no, no. The, sorry. They don't, you don't have to do it, Dom. This one is free. Anyway, we've been beheading each other in the name of the government for a really long time. Like, at least a millennia. In fact, one of the first depictions of capital punishment by beheading is the Narmer Palette from Egypt in about 3000 BCE. You know, the Narmer Palette, one of the oldest archaeological artifacts from ancient Egypt. About yay big, made of stone. Uh, no one can see you, Nash. Again... This is a podcast. Put your hands down. I mean, the Narmer Palette is some of the oldest surviving hieroglyphics in the world. And it sort of tells the story about how King Narmer united Upper and Lower Egypt, which is apparently one in a war in which he beheaded his enemies. Egyptologist Bob Breer... 38 minutes later. Duh. Mm. Oh, God. She's done? What? <clears throat> mm. Back to France. The reign of terror ends like things always do. The leader takes it too far. And the frenzied crowd turns on them. Robespierre introduces a fun little ad called The Law of 22, The Law of 22 Priorio, <laughs> which says that enemies of the people cannot defend themselves in court. Executions go way the fuck up. <laughs> to the moon, some might say. No one gets a fair trial, but people are starting to wonder about how this shit actually happened. And then Robespierre starts talking like he's a literal messiah, like a God. I have made this water into wine. You piss in some cups. This is terrible. Still technically drinkable. And so on the 28th of July, 1799, they behead him using his neat little guillotine. They repeal the law and they disband the Jacobin Club altogether. Altogether. Altogether now. Oh. 
<laughs> to the left now, y'all. One hop this time. <laughs> Two hops this time. Crisscross. Execute your leaders. Everybody clap your hands. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, boy. So, in the end, and this is becoming a theme with us, there are so many unnecessary deaths. The revolution lasts 10 years, 6 months, and 4 days, having, quotation marks here, begun on Cinco de Mayo, 1789, when the estates met for the first time and ending, another set of quotation marks, with the coup of our boy Napoleon Bonaparte as he overthrows the directory to become the first consul and the start of the part of history that is known as the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah, Bonaparte, am I right? It didn't really end so much as it became part one of a longer series. And on that anticlimato note, that's the episode. Oh, a special thanks to you. You really held it out for this one. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rate and review would also be nice. Also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Gorilla Jokes. And I'm at It's Nash Flynn. And of course, follow the podcast at Death and Friends Podcast. And hey, if you love the show, we've got a Patreon now. It's mostly to cover our sound guy's medical bills. Because in order to properly write medical facts, we expose Dom to all the illnesses and ways to die we talk about on the show. He has confirmed, via his eyes, that you can see and hear and also do sound work briefly after being decapitated. And no worries, as we did in last week's episode, you can be Frankenstein back together. So, for the most part. Yeah, it looks fine. So check it out at patreon.com slash deathandfriends. Hey, speaking of Patreon... Let's thank our patrons, Nash. How about that? Oh, let's do it. Everyone at the Brendan Fraser level. Kevin Lehman, Jonathan Drake, Jake and Jen at The Game Snake, and Andy. Andy, you sweet, sweet boy. Thanks, patrons. And you can also join us on patreon.com slash deathandfriends. And remember, hey, you there. Hey. Hey. Hey, you. Aw, hey. Hey, you're loved and you matter. And if you don't want to be your own friend, we will happily be your friend. Hey, um, now that that's sorted, how do you guys feel about birds sitting next weekend? Good? Okay, alright. <laughs> Until next time, skeleton army. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> this has been a Knavery Inc. podcast. Go to knaveryinc.com for more details. Executive produced by Jacob Duffy Halbleib. Audio designed by Dominic Guanzon. Themes and transitions by Amy Doe. The fuck is a knave? Remember this is a comedy podcast? Don't use it in your research papers. The way you delivered it was so dispassionate. <laughs> you want to do it again? No, no, you don't have to. It's incredible. Oh, <laughs> French. For when you want to write lots of letters. <laughs> like gun to your head type shit. Wait. Ah. <clears throat> I shouldn't have smoked so much marijuana for this episode. Allegedly. Allegedly. Death? The third estate got together in a tennis court, and just like every other person who has ever attended a social event at a tennis court, they rolled their ankles. And they decided that they had... <laughs> the medical team was like, guys. <laughs> no, they decided that they had enough. No, that line's good, too, though. Hang on, hang on. Let me do that again. <laughs> like the written line is better but i just i was just like last time i was at a tennis court i rolled my ankle death keep saying france i should stop it's france
<laughs> it's French. Yeah, French is feudal. Pa- French. What is that? It's just ranch and blue cheese mixed together. <laughs> we call it French. Where's it's that? French, actually. <laughs> no, no, it's French, brother. Branch is barbecue sauce. (laughs) Death? Oh, too slow. Let's talk real quick about cake. Specifically, the let them eat cake remark supposedly uttered. I didn't even say my line. I know. Oh, wait, shit. You did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fucking. Sorry.